Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Hello, welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos. I'm here with Avery. Hi. And Matthew Hubertson. Hi. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod or send us an email at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. This is our football episode recapping the Pac-12. No Greg today, but he'll be back next week as he recovers from being drowned in roses. And uh, Avery, you're you're also feeling a little sick. Was it the uh, was it the tacos in Las Vegas that we had? Oh, no, those are great. I still am thinking <laughs> about those tacos. Um, fan theory is that Greg got me sick because apparently he had a cold that he didn't tell anyone about, and I was in a car with him for twelve hours. So I think he did well, tell us about it. I think he told us about it like three weeks ago. That's true. He did tell us. I didn't us know what, yeah. he was still sick, but while Greg isn't here today, he left his germs with me. So disgusting. I can, I can represent. Uh, yeah, Matt. We went to go get tacos in Las Vegas. Uh, it was like after the Pac-12 championship game, and uh, we were in Las Vegas, from, and there's a really good uh, a taco place, Tacos del Gordo, which is in um, San Diego but they have one in las vegas and i swear to god just amazing tacos anyway um after that experience and after dealing with avery and uh her boyfriend drew dewey and greg i've decided that i'm never eating tacos with white people again Um, i enjoyed the tacos (laughs) i just was like on the verge of death because i had to eat in like eight hours and apparently that's normal for men to go like eight hours without eating but <laughs> no, I was not okay. <laughs> well, all of you guys were like, yeah, I have two big meals a day and I'm done. And I'm like, what the fuck? Imagine having less than six meals. I'm <laughs> right. sorry, can we go back to the to the white people conversation? Okay, so I, I need story time, okay, please. So I, we went, we went, uh, and we were debating whether to go. We were in my hotel room at the Luxor debating, Are we? do we want to go to uh, get tacos? After like an hour of deciding, we finally go. We get into the taxi. Taxi driver definitely drove kind of crazy. Uh, Avery and Greg, what? Avery and Greg, like pushed to get out, are like outside. Yeah, about I to, get, like, vomit. I get extremely carsick, especially if I haven't eaten in a while. So that was just not a good experience. And then, wait, what's the hour mark on that? Is it three hours? Is it three and a half? It, we got there. We got there like before ten. And I think we got back to your hotel room around nine. Um. Yes. Yeah. So we. Yeah. We. We. Anyway. Okay, so. So car sick. Tacos del Gordo is like this. It's. It's. Fu- okay. I will say. I love this place. I think their tacos are amazing. Fucking chaotic scene. Like they don't have like a normal. You know, when you go to a taco place, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go online, say my order, and eventually it'll come out to me. No, that's not how they do it here. The way they do it here is they have like eight different lines depending on what you want to order. So you've got a line for tacos al pastor. You've got a line for tacos uh, de asada. You have a line for like tacos, uh, like el buche and, and a bunch of other meats. And if you want multiple, you're fucked. Yeah, if you want multiple, you, you got to get one. in mul- multiple lines or you better hope that you have people with you that can stand in lines while you're all <laughs> while you're all waiting in line. And then when you get there, you tell the guy how many tacos that you want. He makes them right there and then you get them and then you go pay. It Like really fucking chaotic. There was like, 
God, I don't know. Like, like high school lunch line. Like 75 people in there. It was yeah, packed. It was crazy. Anyway, we were in there for, so uh, we were in there for like three to five minutes. And then Avery and Dewey were like, I can't do this. This is too much. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm <laughs> no, going to get I sick. I thought I was going to get sick. So I went outside and then the boyfriend thought I was going to die. So he followed me outside. And then he was texting, and then he was texting me like, we got to get out of here. No, I'm going <laughs> to, sa- I'm this, uh, Avery's safety and health is, is worth was, sacrificing tacos. Was, and I was just like, Carlos, get me six tacos. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, I'll be I'll just, outside. Yeah. Just wait outside. I'll get the tacos. <laughs> and it was worth it. It was, it was worth it. Okay? They were great. They, they were, were really good. I would do the taxi right again, but I don't know. I still don't understand how many that you could go that long in between meals and not feel like you were just going to die. So I just want to be clear because I'm hearing white people from Utah uh, had a panic attack in a um, <laughs> uh, a restaurant with, with international food. Is that <laughs> is that what I'm getting? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I, was happening. You is can... That, <laughs> I was very, I'm and then, very. And then there, it immediately jumped to like that white person's safety. Um, I just, I, I'm seeing some red like, fucking flags. Y'all. We got to get out of here. Out. We got to get out of here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, that was. You're telling me they have pepper here? Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we were like, we had to educate Dewey on what a spit was because he didn't know what a spit was. Um, so he was he's like, so "What?" So confused. And he was very confused by the tacos, <laughs> and apparently he's like, he doesn't <laughs> like pork doesn't make him feel well, but like he ate he ate the tacos. He really liked them. I thought he yeah, was, and he paid the price. <laughs> oh dear. See, I can eat like an obscene amount of food. Was your and relationship not feel sick. at that at that point yet? <laughs> Honeymoon period is over. It's over now. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, that was, uh, it was wild times. I had fun. It was good. I'm glad you all got to experience all that. Anyway, before before we get started on talking about actual football, quick programming note, we are still doing a football episode every week until the Rose Bowl. After the Rose Bowl, our football episodes will end, um, mostly, and we'll be talking exclusively about hoops because it's basketball season, finally. Time for my team UCLA to shine. Um, we'll probably still do some sporadic football episodes, maybe some like Q and A, or maybe there's a topic that comes up, or you know, like when Chip Kelly goes to the vacant Oregon spot that Mario Cristobal will leave open. Uh, we can talk about that. But if we have them, we'll drop them at our normal Monday at 5 a.m. Pacific, unless it's something that's very urgent. Uh, but first, let's just say really, really quick, we keep seeing reports that Mario Cristobal might be going to Miami as of this recording that's like not been confirmed. There's been a bunch of rumors about it, so we're not going to talk about it very much yet. Maybe we'll talk about it when we talk about the Pac-12 championship game and kind of the implications for Oregon. But right now, we're not really going to talk about it. So when that happens, we'll probably talk about it, I'm sure. Um, okay, on with the rest here. We start... Have to, of course, with the Pac-12 championship game. Utah dominated Oregon for the second time in three games, winning 38-10 to to clinch their first ever Pac-12 championship and their first appearance in the Rose Bowl game. Uh, first off, I, myself, Greg, and Avery were all in Vegas for this one. Matt, sadly, could not make it. But, Grapes, what did you uh, think of the Pac-12 title game being in Vegas and the Legion Stadium and just, like, the whole environment since 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 we went there? Um, I think it being in Vegas is very nice. It's a much easier drive um, and much more to do than there was, like, I felt in Santa Clara when I went to the last two. As for Allegiant Stadium, fucking hate Allegiant Stadium. 
Maybe that's really I'm a Broncos fan. Ooh. But I uh. thought I do not like closed <laughs> stadiums. I didn't. I it made me feel very claustrophobic and uncomfortable because. I've never they, been they in a football game. They feel dirty, yeah, right? Yeah, I've never like, been in a football game dirty. with a closed stadium. It just felt like wrong. It felt like I was watching football in like a basketball arena. It was incorrect. Um, <clears throat> and then the concourses were fucking awful. Like they were, oh my gosh, I want to say a quarter of the width of the concourses at Rice Eccles Stadium. Like that's how it felt when I was trying to Whoa. get to my seat. Maybe a third. And it just felt smaller than Rice Eccles at all. Rice Eccles concourse is horrible. Yeah, it it was. I don't know. Maybe it just was because there were so many people there. But it was. I felt very claustrophobic. Overall, the environment was really good, though. There's a ton of Utah fans there. And once the game started, I forgot I was in this terrible small spaceship <laughs> that I felt was closing in on me. So, uh, but no, Vegas is good. Pro Vegas. Pro Vegas. I, yeah, I'm surprised. I really liked the Legion Stadium. Uh, I thought it was, I mean, it, maybe it's just because it's new and shiny, but I don't know. You like walk in and they have these like massive fucking screens, just huge screens. I think it's so funny that the the indicator for whether a stadium is good or not for some people, especially the people building, is how big of the screen you can get in there. The screens are um, nice. The screens were very nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe it was just my side of the of Allegiant Stadium, but I thought it was pretty easy to walk around. It wasn't too crazy, but you were you were probably you know you were in the student section. There's a ton of ton more people there. Um, overall, that was good. I, that I think moving it to Vegas way. We've been talking about this for years. Um, way overdue. Long overdue. That stadium was packed. Like that was like ninety percent packed, ninety to ninety-five percent packed. And like, yeah, it still didn't have the feel of an on-campus stadium. Like, you know, even just watching Utah Oregon two weeks ago on TV, like, unbelievably electric that looked like. Um, and this was not that environment, but it was still like it was still an environment. Um, Utah fans, like I think the split must have been like seventy percent Utah fans, thirty percent Utah fans, is my estimation. Thirty percent Oregon fans. Oh yeah, sorry. Thirty percent Oregon fans, seventy. Not everything Utah is Utah, fans. Carlos. Not everything's Utah. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and they were. It was loud. I mean, like it just. It felt there. That was an environment. Um, and maybe it was just because it's way easier to get to Las Vegas from Salt Lake City, and much harder to get from Oregon to to get from like Portland to Las Vegas. But I don't know. I thought that was cool. Um, a lots of stuff to do in Vegas, so I'm I'm glad they did it. Matt, what did you? Uh, I know you couldn't make it, but how did it look on TV? Or did you did you watch this uh, this game in complete silence as you always do? Um, <laughs> I I did mute through the third quarter. Um, <laughs> with, no, that's a lie. I do would, you de- I do would, you default? I would never do you mute default Holly to Rowe. muting. <laughs> did you do? Do you default? We were talking about this last week. Do you default to muting every single game? And watch it on mute, like in silence? So especially when there's multiple games on, yeah, absolutely. Like if I'm running okay. multiple screens, I can't, the the volume takes too much of my control or takes too much of my attention. Um, so like if I'm watching multiple screens, I have them all muted. I don't do like the one screen is is on is on volume because I can't, I can't bounce back and forth. I just, I get sucked into the one that, that has okay. sound. That's fair. Um, furthermore, like... I, all due respect to how difficult um, I'm sure calling football games are. Uh, nobody's good. It's just it, <laughs> nobody's good. The sport is too national. So even the people that are really good at it don't know anything about these teams. And That's so true. as anybody who knows anything, like it's, I've completely stopped. It doesn't matter who's on the call for a Utah game. I won't watch them. 
because the name mispronunciations bug the hell out of me. Like, I don't know how Covey, after year 12 of being on the field, is still having his name mispronounced. It makes no really? sense. Really? Chris whatsoever. Fowler was still was, was mispronouncing it. I don't think Fowler did. I think Herbstreit Herb might have. I, I just, again, like, it's just. Yeah. It, I have a bad taste in my mouth, and I it, I don't think that it actually elevates the product for me. Um, with That's that fair. being said, though, another auditory experience. Cheers to Utah. Um, very happy with with what happened there, and just um, I think that. So I think that I was definitely very very impressed with what the crowds looked like, what Allegiant looked like. Um, to the best of my knowledge, we didn't see any torn ACLs, so that's a huge step up over Santa Clara. Um, <laughs> And, and otherwise, like it was just, it was good. Um, I will say the one thing that's a little bit hard about it, especially with it being a championship game and a dome, I think that you kind of really directly compare it to, um, Mercedes Benz and the SEC championship games. And that's just apples and oranges. And it's kind of really hard where even if you see any empty seats whatsoever, but it was good. Um, the biggest problem at this point is just that the game's on a Friday. Like it's just, it's yeah. so hard to expect people when their team clinches the Saturday before to be able to make a game that's on a Friday at 5 PM Pacific time. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's Friday just, 5 that's PM brutal, is still a brutal turnaround to make happen. So still nonsense. I, yeah. I wanted to kind of ask you guys, cause I think that one of the other biggest complaints about um, Santa Clara was like the, the getting to the game and then just like what the hell you did for the weekend. Obviously Vegas is Vegas. That's going to be fun, but it did it feel like I, I heard a, um, I heard a, an interview about uh, they were reviewing like formula one destinations and they're talking about how there's party cities that are just a lot of fun to be in. And then there's cities that throw a party for the race where everywhere you go, like it is mm-hmm. a party environment and people are there like for the race and every like everywhere you go, you're going to have people to talk about it. Did it feel like the championship game kind of took over Vegas and, and it was that, or was it just fun? Cause it was Vegas. Well, everywhere we were, I got yelled at by Utah fans. So there were like, there are a lot of fans there, but it's Vegas. So everything happening in Vegas was happening because it was Vegas. There just also happened to be a lot of Utah and Oregon fans there. But I, I enjoyed it. I didn't stay the whole weekend. I wish I could have, but I think just like it felt like there's way more to do than being in Santa Clara. Yeah, it's not it's not a the place throws a party for the event sort of situation at all. Um this is now the <laughs> second or third big event that I maybe even fourth big event in the past like 2 weeks that I was in Vegas for while it was happening. It was UCLA Gonzaga, the basketball game. It was uh Gonzaga uh, Gonzaga played someone else, um, and then Gonzaga played Duke, and then this Pac-12 championship game. And every single one, it felt like there was a ton, ton of shit happening, and and the fans were just there, um, and just happened to be there because their game was there. So it didn't feel like that. It did not feel like an event like, oh yeah, there's a Pac-12 championship game happening, and it's like taking the city over. It's not. It's not really like that. Um, but I will say that getting to it way easier getting to santa clara getting to levi stadium really fucking stupid like what a dumb decision every every time i think about it it's just like it's so hard to get to it's not easy to like like it's just not easy to get to levi stadium and to santa clara but like you know i stayed we stayed at uh across they were at uh i i stayed at uh, the luxor um and it was like a 10 15 minute walk obviously kind of off the beaten path like it's not like in the middle of the city um in the middle of the strip or something but 
I thought it was easy to get to and obviously a ton of stuff to do afterwards. Like there's a ton of food places and you know, it's not hard to Especially get around. There's the taxis everywhere. Yeah. It was, so it was, um, in that, in that regard, it was like, it was good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I moved to Vegas, but it did not feel like, you know, like going to the Sun Bowl, which I have not done and I really want to do. And maybe I will at some point, maybe I will this year, who knows? Um, going to the Sun Bowl, it's like El Paso throws a, throws a party for the Sun Bowl. Um, and like, right. that's a thing. But from what I've heard and from all the things I've heard is that El Paso goes crazy for the Sun Bowl, but it's not the same with Las Vegas. You're, you're, you're a pretty small fish, even in the Pac-12 championship game, the Vegas Bowl will be a small fish. I'm pretty sure. Um, so the the one thing that I especially am hopeful that Vegas can do is like people go to the SEC championship game, regardless of whether or not their team is there. It's just a cool environment. It's a cool experience. You should go. I'm hopeful that the Vegas experience can build to that especially if you're going to keep having the game on a Friday night. Like that sounds like a good weekend to me to go down, go to the game on Friday, regardless of whether or not my team is there and then hang out all day in a sports book for championship Saturday. You know, it, it, it seems like a much better experience than trekking my ass into Santa Clara and then having nothing to do the rest of the weekend. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, yeah. Well, let's move on to talk about the actual game. Um, Let's start with Utah and the Utah side of things. So, again, as we had just talked about, Utah dominated Oregon again, second time in three games. Get to their get their first Pac-12 championship game, their first Power 5 conference championship, uh, their first Rose Bowl appearance, a bunch of firsts for them. What did you think um, about this game from the Utah side, and what do you think this means for the program? Matt, let's start with you. Oh, my gosh. it was It's super funny you talked about how you know, Utah's probably not 31 points better than this team. And, um, you know, you pointed at all the stalled drives and blocked field goals and all that kind of stuff with just how the game script worked uh, in the Week 11 game. And um, holy cow, like <laughs> pretty pretty resounding stamp of, of just, no, we are actually just better than this team from Utah. This was definitely amazing um, and, and a really impressive performance out of them. I Carlos, you talked a lot about how much like Kyle Whittingham's uh, um, legacy was on the line in this game, and I think I think a lot of of Utah fans, especially, heard that that meant that Kyle Whittingham would just be terrible, um, and would have all of his accomplishments completely wiped out if he lost. And that's not the case. That the thing is, is is how much this elevates him and his legacy and the program and everything like that. Like everything that you talk about making the transition and and really showing consistency and staying power in a power five that's really hard and and you get that but also those things can be cyclical and and obviously it's great that you had a great coach but there's just no guarantee that utah as a program is able to contain that and to continue that post kyle whittingham um you know we've seen arizona be great we've seen arizona state be great we've seen colorado i mean colorado is has won a national championship and has been great in the big 12 and you just they're they're an afterthought right now so i I think that this is just one of those things where you actually have a stamp of approval you actually have an achievement that will be there forever um nobody cares how many straight championship games you played in if you lost them all nobody cares how many 11 win seasons you've had it just those things get lost so quickly whereas if you've actually won the championship and you've actually showed being on top Nobody cares that USC was a four-win team this year. <laughs> nobody, right. nobody will remember that either. And so that is this is just this is massive 
as an actual proof of concept of what the Utah program can potentially be and is, um, regardless of, of conference affiliation and recruiting rankings and they're a development program and you better bring your lunch pail and all of those platitudes. This is, they are a championship program and there's, there's no interpretation there. Yeah. Grapes, what did you, what did you think about, uh, either this game or implications for what it means for Utah to, to finally get a power five conference championship in the pac 12 and to get to a Rose bowl. I mean, we've talked about for years, how Utah isn't good at beating teams with a significant amount of more talent than them. And mm-hmm. they did it twice in the season uh, by a pretty large margin. I didn't think they would destroy Oregon for a second time. I don't think most people did. So I was very pleasantly um, surprised by this outcome. But I think everything that just Matt said, um, sorry, I'm sick. So I'm very, I'm struggling right now. <laughs> Please forgive me. Um, Utah finally has like proven themselves to be capable of the respect that they sometimes get on the national stage which is just nice because if they had lost this game Utah would have forever been marked as um they're the Pac-12 South champions that will never actually win a title game because that is their ceiling and that is the end the best coach in their history cannot achieve it so it's just nice to know that we are actually capable of pushing past that ceiling and going to the Rose Bowl and I guess it's just interesting to see how Utah will be considered in the future <coughs> as like an actual favorite to win the conference ever. I don't think they will because USC is still here, but they could be. Just just as much as anybody else could be, right? Like I think that the biggest comp here is that Utah has legitimately been the Iowa of the Pac-12 where yeah. like you're, you're going to recruit in the 30s and that's okay and you're going to work really hard and you're going to have a developmental program and you're going to play in a particular style that teams are going to hate playing you. And you're going to get somebody. And it doesn't matter if you're a 4-1 team or a 10-win team. You're going to be able to beat a random Ohio State or something like that. But when you're number three in the country, the entire country is going to look at you and be like, oh, honey, that's adorable. Um, congratulations on the schedule breaking in your way, which, frankly, is what happened in 2018 for Utah. And and so I think that, like again, this is just this is another one of those steps where, like, this is this is huge for Utah as a program to be able to continue that trajectory and not plateau and not just solidify itself as the Iowa. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think it 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 elevates that program and kind of kind of quiets a lot of the can they beat talent? Can they win the conference? Is Kyle Whittingham? You know, like I don't know. I mean, I I think people outside of the state of Utah were very skeptical of Kyle Whittingham. Um, they didn't see him dominate the, and they didn't see him dominate the Mountain West, and they also don't care because it doesn't matter. Um, so I think um, I think it certainly validated a lot of what they've been doing. And I think people always had some respect for him, but just never really took Kyle Whittingham and, and Utah that seriously. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the game, though, um, because I, I <laughs> my biggest takeaway from watching Utah beat Oregon is, the way they did was this was ex- the, the same exact game. The same exact game as two weeks ago. Like, no discernible difference in how Utah won and dominated this game, even down to going up three scores at the end of the half. Um, well, they went to, they, I guess I guess in the first game, they went up four yeah, scores. Missed field goal. Four scores. Like. <laughs> yeah, and there was a missed field goal going down 14-0. Again, why are you kicking a field goal when your offense, when your defense hasn't been able to stop them and your offense has absolutely nothing going for it? insane shit to me again utah dominated in the trenches particularly when utah had the ball utah just ran them over did whatever they want ty van thomas got whatever he wanted um again just 
the same same script. I'm not sure anything. You could have showed me what happened two weeks ago. Same thing. And all of this, by the way, was with Cam Rising kind of looking poopy. He did not. He looked pretty bad out there for at, at least for most of the first half. I thought their offensive line kind of did him did him some favors, and I thought he had a ton time to work, ton of time to work, but didn't really make many good throws downfields. And, and and despite that, Utah's offense was still dominating. Um, and defensively, like Utah looked good again. They dominated Oregon's offensive line and didn't let Oregon get anything going at all. Held them to what seventy four yards rushing, I think. They made Oregon's offense look Colorado level bad, um, and that was awesome for Utah to do it. To do it twice, like you kind of watch that first game, like they're getting big plays, and you know maybe Oregon's just kind of out of sync. Home it's a home game, home home field advantage. Like that was, you know, I think I think I think that people were sort of wondering, was that a fluke? I mean, I'm not sure that we felt that way, but I think some people thought, was that a fluke? Let's see, it'll be closer this time. We said that we said it would be closer this time, um, but no, it was the same exact game, exactly the same, um, down to almost the score. A seven point difference in the score, thirty-eight to seven the first time, thirty-eight to ten, so a three point difference. Um, that's impressive. So it's it's really great for them to etch their names into Pac-12 lore for for forever, like this. To just say, no, 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 we are definitively the best team in this conference. Like no doubt about it. It wasn't just a one game thing, and we beat the shit out of Oregon the same way twice. So I just want to say that about the game. I don't, Matt, were you going to say something about this game? No, I mean, just it, building on that is definitely just the acknowledgement that Oregon has a fatal flaw, and that's that their quarterback refuses to throw the ball more than six yards down the field. Um, uh, otherwise, yeah, I, you're, it was super interesting to talk about how um, sustainable that last win was, um, where Utah just came out and just moved Oregon. And yet at the same time, I don't, I, I don't think that any of us believed it. <laughs> you know, I think that we mm-hmm. all, we all were able to just kind of push it off as far as like a look like Utah went out and kicked their ass, but, but ultimately Cristobal has proven that his teams can get their ass kicked every once in a while. And then they'll show up just a completely different team, completely different levels of motivation and levels of, I don't know if want to, or but readiness, you know, certainly, um, specifically physically going into a big game. So I, I think that you kind of wrote that off and then suddenly looked at it and it was like, well, Utah didn't do anything special <laughs> in that first yeah. game. They just pushed. And so, um, you know, there was certainly a little bit more as far as a little more tight end usage, a little bit different on the on the run screen slightly. Certainly Utah didn't just run for nine yards a pop <laughs> again. But, um, yeah, it was – Man, like uh, that identity that we've talked about um, for Utah, where it's just they're going to be a physical defensive team and they're going to run the ball. I did not think that that identity could actually win the conference, and it did. Yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, it was it it was pretty clear what they wanted to do and what they've been wanting to do really since 2019. I felt like it's it's what really what it's kind of looked like to me. Like this is. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, I guess there was inkling of that before then, but it really feels like it's come to fruition the past couple of years and, and culminating really in this year. So, yeah, let's let's move to talk about the Oregon side of do this. Do I get to talk? Do I get to talk about Utah at all? Oh, 
You did, you I asked you to begin with and you didn't interrupt. Go ahead. No. Guys, I'm sick. I'm struggling. No, wait. Let me talk some more. <laughs> Come on now. I'm sorry. You literally had two chances. Go ahead. Um, Devin Lloyd should be the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. I think he made his argument and I think he made it better than Kayvon Thibodeau did prior to this game. I was on the fence. I would have been happy with either of them. I think it's clear after this game, Devin Lloyd has had the better season than Kayvon Thibodeau. And that's what the award goes to. Not who has better draft stock, not who has overall a better player or who has a better career. It's who had the better season. That's why Tyler Huntley was the all team first team Pac-12 quarterback over Justin Herbert in 2019. Anyways, uh, very happy Devin Lloyd got that pick six because surely Oregon fans know who Devin Lloyd is now. Um, Tavion Thomas was only averaging three and a half yards per carry and it still worked, (laughs) which makes me laugh so hard. It still seemed like Utah ran all over them because I, let me pull up third down conversions because it just felt like, oh, it wasn't even that high. Six for 13. It just felt like uh, Oregon didn't really care that much outside of Noah Sewell. So very, very pleased with this Utah performance, uh, especially Devin Lloyd, who, again, should win Defensive Player of the Year. It's it's hard to look at this game statistically because Oregon felt so out of it as soon as it was 14 to nothing. Like you just Oregon just could not do anything offensively. So, I mean, you look at it and, and it was a fairly pedestrian effort out of Utah's offense. And I just you, you, there was no shot of Oregon scoring 14 in this game. It was the same thing as la- it was the same thing as last time. And like we talked about this last time, like. Except I think the number went down once. Like, like I think when I at the time two weeks ago, I was like, "Yeah, if Oregon, if Utah goes up twenty-one nothing here, like in the first half, it's over. They just don't have anything offensively." And I said the same thing, but this time at fourteen nothing. Like you just yeah. knew they they like stalled. Like they went almost three and out those first two drives, and you're like, "Oh shit, it's happening again." Like that's this is gonna go down exactly the same way. You could tell immediately so and then just about the Devin Lloyd Kayvon Thibodeau thing because this discourse has been obviously a hot one and it bugs me Kayvon Thibodeau before this game I think you could put them on equal footing I think they were very very close I would have picked Kayvon Thibodeau before this I don't think that he was in that running because he was a name and because he had better draft stock because he was better more talented I think he had he has he has fundamentally materially impacted a number of games this year in ways that I just don't think we've seen Devin Lloyd do that. Now he has not been as consistent and he's missed games and um, teams are scheming around him and are kind of reducing his impact because they're trying to game plan around him. But I just felt like before this game, Kayvon Thibodeau like had the slight edge Dave, but I will, but Devin Lloyd won. He won the Pac-12 defensive player of the year. Um, on the path the Pac-12 championship game on Friday like definitively no questions he just won it it was it was actually kind of cool to see like Kayvon Thibodeau and Devin Lloyd being neck and neck like that going into that game a lot of the narratives that were kind of going into that game and one of them was who's going to win defensive player of the year it was cool to see like oh yeah Devin Lloyd won it like he he literally won it that game um, so I just wanted to say that about this discourse because I just think Utah fans who are not watching the game and you've you've seen these takes, Avery, and I like yeah, I know yeah, I'm you know, like like the biggest they're, defender they're like, of Kayvon Thibodeau among Utah yeah, fans. Like yeah, I was prior to this game. You're also the loudest Devin Lloyd <laughs> <Shut> honk. <laughs> so it's funny. <laughs> I I know it is it doesn't make any sense, but 
I hate when people say Kayvon Thibodeau is only in the running for things because of his recruiting ranking and his draft stock and his projection in the draft. But now I genuinely feel that if he wins this award, it's because of those things pushing him over the edge because of how Devin Lloyd performed in the Pac-12 championship. Like, I, yeah. I definitely think Kayvon Thibodeau is deserving of the award, but you can't give it to him now because of how no. Devin Lloyd played. It would be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and, I think. And I what's think, hard is that even like the argument that I made at the beginning of the season, where it's like it doesn't matter what Thibodeau's stats are because he's going to get doubled and triple teamed the entire season. He's going to make that defense go. Oregon's defense is ranked 50th per SP plus in the nation. Like that, it, even going into this game, there was a little bit of just like, eh, it, the stats aren't there and the team defense isn't there to justify it. So I. I totally agree. And again, like this is, I think that a lot of Oregon fans are hearing Devin Lloyd is a Pac-12 championship game, uh, championship winner. And they think that for some reason, that means that we think Thibodeau is terrible. And like, trust me, people have said that Utah fans are well aware of how good Thibodeau is. I don't think they are. Yeah. But there there are some Utah fans that that don't watch games outside of Utah 2019. Even, yeah. okay, Utah game. Like, he freaking won a Pac-12 championship himself. Yeah. Like, he absolutely crushed Utah in the 2019 championship game. Like, I, it, you're listening to the wrong people, in my opinion, <laughs> if that's the case. Like, stream no truck I mean, stops. I mean, I mean, look. No or, truck stops, not even Twitter accounts. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yes. Maybe, let's move on to the Oregon side of this game. Yeah. Because I, I think there's a lot to talk about. A lot of implications for Oregon. Um... So let's talk about them. They've now been dominated twice, looking just as bad as the first time they did. What did you think of Oregon this game, and are you concerned at all about them moving forward? Grapes, you want to start us off? Um, I appreciate that they actually used Travis Dye. Good work. You remember who Travis Dye was. That was really great. I think he had um around 90 yards i should have that open but i am an it felt like he was pop. their only source of offense it was, for yeah. sure. it was he had 15 eight. for 82 and then he had what four catches yeah and he had a touchdown but in the first game i believe he only had seven touches the entire game which a lot of that had to do with them chasing points but anthony brown is dog shit so even if you're chasing points i think travis die is a much more reliable way to do that um just because anthony brown's not going to get you fucking anything so that kind of scared me when they started um running the ball a little bit more but honestly they didn't start the triple option type of attack until it was too late yeah 23 <laughs> started they should have started the game that way i because it was pretty effective but it just was you don't have the clock to try to play that game if you start it in the third quarter so I just maintain that Oregon's coaching staff is fucking stupid and if Mario Cristobal does go to Miami um I I think Oregon fans should not be super upset because he's terrible at in-game management and I tweeted this for my account I just think he's an overpaid recruiting coordinator which you know what he's very good at that but you need a guy who can actually manage the game um I really enjoyed the stupid timeouts that he took. That was <laughs> yeah. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, Mario. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I. This is the worst loss of the Mario Cristobal era, just in terms of humiliation and embarrassment. Again, I cannot stress this enough: losing the exact same way twice. <laughs> like I cannot, I cannot stress enough how fucking insane it is to lose the exact same way twice. Um, getting manhandled twice like that 
embarrassing for a regime, a regime I think that prides itself on supposedly being super physical. Um, that's what Mario Cristobal sold. That's what he sold two years ago. That's what he sold last year. And here they are getting completely out physical. They failed in almost every facet of the game uh, against Utah. But the biggest, most obvious one, I think, is one that we've been talking about all season. It was quarterback again. He's so bad. Anthony Brown looked unplayable again for the seventh time this season. And if this is the absolute best Oregon can do at quarterback, if this is the best that they can do in terms of recruiting and development at the most important position on the field, fucking fire everyone like i'm sure and i and i want to be clear like anthony brown i'm sure he's a great kid i don't want to disrespect him like that he's an unpaid college kid like he's it's not it's not his fault that he's in this situation and he's put in this situation that he didn't receive good coaching but cristobal mario cristobal should be embarrassed to not just uh get to the point where he is their best option at quarterback um but to not do anything to to provide them with some alternatives they did not give Ty Thompson any run in this game and stuck with him the entire game just as they have all season. I thought our um our buddy Andrew Andrew Hobner um on Twitter made a really great point that if Ty Thompson was given any meaningful reps this season for Oregon, any at all, they might have been able to be ready to swap him in. Um, you know, with the with a full season under his belt and some really meaningful reps and some meaningful games, but they probably couldn't, and maybe they should have anyway. Um it was it was Again, just that wasn't Anthony Brown is not the reason that Utah's offense completely run ran roughshod over Oregon's defense and out physical them in the trenches. But when you have an offense that is really only designed to work very hard and take 10 seconds, what it felt like, what felt like 10 seconds to develop a play that gets you two to four yards like your defense is put in a tough position and then you got to go, they got to go back out there immediately. Like that's, I, there's just so many things that are baffling about how they lost the same way. And Anthony Brown and what they've done at the quarterback position. This is now year four of Mario Cristobal. And for him to say that this is their best option is, is it should be an indictment on him, frankly. I think one of the primary reasons Anthony Brown has gotten so much credit or like has stayed very clearly the starting quarterback this entire season is because of the win over Ohio State. It worked in that game and they weren't about to go away from it. Even if he wasn't necessarily the reason they won that game, I I really feel like that's why they refused to give Ty Thompson really any meaningful looks in any game. After the Stanford loss, they should have gone to Ty Thompson. There were many, many times this season where they should have just gone to Ty Thompson. I like, it's again. He was not. I don't. I don't think Ty Thompson was going to fix a lot of their issues. But you don't know. Like, like it reminds me of Utah earlier this season. Like Cam Rising was not going to fix every single one of Utah's problems. But man, I don't know. Until he did. Well, Until that was, he did. That was the <laughs> right. whole discourse at halftime of the San Diego State game on Utah Twitter was, "Oh fuck, do we bench?" Um, Brewer and just putting Cam Rising and hope that helps and everyone's like how would that possibly help and then it it helps it doesn't fix the (laughs) O-line everybody just talking about how like we can't even run the ball the the offensive line like Brewer was getting hit within a half a second you know and and then Rising came in and they didn't give up a sack for four weeks like the quarterback is just it's a weird position in all of sports you can't judge it the same where I bet like 
obviously Kim Rising's turnovers are way down, but I would be really curious to see, um, especially if you look at the traditional stats, because I know his efficiency is way higher than Charlie Brewer ever was. But like you look at traditional stats, I bet they're not that far off from Charlie Brewer. And even even like a, the Jake Bentley look last year, like I there's just there's pieces about leadership and about what your offense is able to do and what the defense can scheme for against you. Where again, like he just he wasn't throwing the ball more than six yards down the field. There were so many screenshots going around of wide open Oregon receivers in this game, but they were more than three yards down the field. He didn't see them. <laughs> he wasn't even looking at them. Yeah. Um. And so I just yeah it when you're when you're limited like that. I think that that what you said, Carlos, is big. Where it's just if they had given Ty Thompson meaningful reps. Um. I am a big believer in like when you're up and you're just completely outmatching a team putting your backup like if you have an established starter or if you have a starter that has played for years put in your backup and get throw the ball like you're not running up the score you need to get these guys meaningful reps and be able to show them what actual game speed looks like so that in a situation like this you can feel remotely comfortable like stop putting in your backup to just go out and take the knees and to hand the ball off and burn a red shirt game on that because then you get into these situations where it's like, oh, he's already played three games and we don't want to burn the red shirt, red shirt. So we're not going to use him and then we're not going to use him and then we're not going to use him because even though our starter didn't do anything on quarterback, like we still had to, we still won the game. And so that's all that matters. It, it just, you're just perpetuating a problem there. But Oregon didn't, here's the, the, the issue is that Oregon didn't even get into positions where they were blowing out teams and outmatching them where they could put in Ty Thompson to give him meaningful reps and throw, right? They did it against, I mean, they did it against Colorado a little bit and Colorado came back and they had to stick Anthony Brown back in there. Like it's, it's like they just haven't even had opportunities to do that. And that's been the problem with Oregon all season is they have never looked like they were outmatching, clearly outmatching other teams. Um, and Ty Thompson never got any run because of it. Um, and, and now you're in a situation where you're like, well, I don't know. We haven't played them all season. We really want to stick them here against a physical Utah defense. Like, I don't know, just insane mismanagement all the way around from Mario Cristobal leading up to this game in this game. (sighs) They've got, they look, um, I'm, we kind of talked before we start, we hit record on this thing. Like, what's worse for Oregon, their perception and their program. Is it worse to pay Mario Cristobal $10 million? Like the market dictates right now with all of these contracts going out. Is it worth paying him $10 million a year? Is is it worse to pay him $10 million a year? Or is it worse to be seen as a stepping stone job um, with your third coach and four coaches leaving for what is ostensibly maybe a better opportunity? I think I'd, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm of the opinion that paying $10 million for this is insane to me. Like, he, he's, he's not a good coach. He's, he's not. And I think it's getting the, – the issue is it's, it's gotten progressively worse since 2019. 2019 happened. Great for them. They won a Rose Bowl. That's as much as you can ask for. 2020, we saw some regression. And 2021 feels like it's – like, we're in a downward trajectory. Um, so – I don't know. I think Oregon has a lot of questions to ask. They've obviously got a lot of uncertainty with whether he's even going to be there. Honestly, might be a blessing in disguise if he does leave. Um, anything yeah. else from the Oregon well, we've side? Just, we've talked, especially on the Cristobal side, we've talked about how 
even if he's not the best in-game manager, he's very clearly been able to bring in good assistants, really good coordinators and everything like that. This is another year where I'm just, I'm looking back on that and I'm like, eh, is he? I, I don't know. I, Moorhead was certainly, it looked like a Moorhead masterclass in the Ohio State game. And then Michigan went out there and actually just ran counter the whole time <laughs> and kicked Ohio State's ass. So maybe like it's, I think that there's just aspects of it where it's like you continue to throw the ball with Anthony Brown. You have the 50th rated defense per SP plus. Is he actually getting that good of coordinators too? I, man, that's, I, I don't know. I, I think that if you can get another guy in that is willing to recruit in the way that a top five recruiter needs to be able to recruit, please know what I'm saying. When I say that, I, I don't see how you can justify paying crystal ball like that. Like it, it really seems like a situation where it's probably it's time to move on to somebody and it's time to move on to somebody who can get a coordinator to stay for more than 12 months. Yeah. Or someone who can put together, um, a workable offense, um, a workable offense that is really good at, uh, uh, getting running backs going and has always put together a good quarterback and has probably even had some success at Oregon itself. I don't know. Like, uh, like Chip Kelly, I think he'd be great. Oh, Um, that's interesting. Yeah. They should. Uh, wow. They should. Yeah. They should go get him. I've heard. Uh, I've heard he's pretty good. I've heard he's turned things around at uh, at little old UCLA. <sighs> anyway, oh, one can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. I'd lose it. I'd be. I'd be elated. I'd be elated. Please, please, Oregon. Just a little bit of nostalgia. Don't you want those Chip Kelly years back? Best coach in program history. You got to get him. Okay. Anything else about uh this game or? Just what you thought about it. All right. You, nope. Well, no, nobody can talk shit about Utah because we are the most recent Pac-12 program to go to the Rose Bowl. So fuck all of you. Yeah. Um, go cry. <laughs> we own you. I think people need to realize that when you get to a Rose Bowl, like free reign to talk shit. Like there's <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think people realize people who are just new to the Pac-12 or don't really understand it or haven't really paid attention to it. Like that's a, that's like the ultimate card you can pull is when's the last time you went to a Rose bowl? I wasn't alive for that. You know, it's, it's true. I think it matters a lot. Like I think it's when, whenever we talk smack among other, when you talk smack among other fans, it's like, how many Rose bowls do you have? When did you last go to a Rose bowl? I haven't seen you there. Like, you know, it's just, that shit matters. Yeah. The reason I was, Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, you're, you're good. The reason I was hysterically sobbing after Utah won the Pac-12 championship wasn't because they finally won the Pac-12 championship. Just so so I can go shit. to Twitter and talk shit because I'm better than everyone else. The brand is strong. <laughs> the brand has never been stronger. <laughs> so no, I, I, I was going to say, like, if you're a college football fan and you have been for a long time, specifically you have been in the pre-playoff era, I, I think that you have this idea and, and this this romanticism for the Rose Bowl that not necessarily waning. I, I don't actually know what the word of it is. I, I'm getting the sense that just if you've never been to a Rose Bowl, you just don't get it. And I mean, I can't tell you how many people like just it, whether it was in the comments or the DMs or whatever that were just like, hey, congratulations. Welcome to the conference where it's like this is this is truly an arrival and, and a rite of passage in this conference and maybe even just in the Western half of the United States where to actually arrive and to actually be considered one of the big boys, this is a huge step. And I'm, 
I, I am realizing that maybe I don't actually know what a Rose Bowl means yet. And I'm really excited to go and learn about it because I, I mentioned this before. Like, I don't know that I felt that much after this win as a Utah fan. And, and that says a whole lot about me and just how I look at college football now. But like, I, I am ecstatic to learn about what a Rose Bowl means. I think that that is, I, I, I think that there's something there that I'm not, I, I'm not actually seeing. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, there's so much pomp and circumstance. It's like you, uh, New Year's Day, like what's the thing people are doing or watching? It's the Rose Parade. Um, and that, I know it's hard to kind of, dis- to it's easy to disassociate that from the game, but like that's what, that's part of the pageantry. Like you go to the Rose Parade, you watch the Rose Parade, and then there's a Rose Bowl. Um, and that's been part of the conference's identity for years and years and decades and decades. Um, and we get to kind of have that. And so, you know, I hope you I hope you two get to go to the Rose Parade. I hope you two plan to go to the Rose Parade. I hope you two plan to engage in all of that stuff and enjoy the pomp and circumstance because there's nothing like it. Like I went in twenty nineteen and as you know, and I kind of was like, Do I want to go if it's not UCLA? But I decided to went and experience it and like it's I don't know. It's an experience. It's an environment. Um and it's just really cool. Um uh, it's an awesome experience. So hopefully you go to and it changes your mind a little bit or, or makes you feel the weight of it a little bit more. Um, okay, let's move on because remarkably <laughs> we had another Pac-12 game on Saturday. <laughs> um What are you laughing about, Carlos? Why yeah, is this funny? <laughs> U- USC traveled to Berkeley to play Cal in the makeup game that po- got postponed a couple of weeks ago due to COVID issues from the Golden Bears. Cal won this game. I don't even remember. I think it was like twenty seven to was it twenty four to seventeen? Sure. Yeah, it's at that Cal won? Yeah, yeah, Cal did actually win. I don't remember <laughs> 24 the score to 14. 24 to 14. That's what it was. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Cal, um, like, Cal won, too. It was not. Yeah, they won. It was they a very won. convincing <laughs> one. That, that oh was more gosh. convincing than the score indicated. Um, yeah. The, uh, our, uh, our, our, uh, uh, we call them buddies? Our, uh, our, 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 what do you Pals? call them? Counter- counterparts Friends. at uh, the podcast of champions called this the, uh, <laughs> They called this the, um, like the the it was the game that was going to decide whether the Pac-12 North, or the Pac-12 South, was better because they were both like their fourth place teams, um, and the Pac-12 North won. So here we are. I don't want to spend too much time on this game for obvious Dang reasons. Um, obvious reasons we shouldn't spend too much time on this because we have bowl games to talk about and kind of should talk a little bit about conference awards. But um, Matt, what? Uh, what one takeaway do you have from this game? Either if you watched it or, you know, any implications. Hell yeah, I watched it. Are you kidding me? I also watched it, yeah. This is the brand. <laughs> this um, <is> it goes. <laughs> oh, my gosh, y'all. This was so – this was a horrible game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that I saw that, like, USC had maybe, like, 47 scholarship players. That's right, yes. At this football game. Not because um, of COVID, but because players just didn't want to come. Sure. Yeah, no, I get it. Like school's hard, man. Go to go to Thanksgiving, go hang out with your family. For sure. Like F that shit. Um I'm I'm I I am in no way like talking crap here. I get it. Um I <laughs> I, I I did watch this game. Um it was a wonderful main event. Uh after all the undercards that we had had in this what I'm told was called Championship Saturday. I'm told those previous games had had merit and importance that I'm unaware of. Um <laughs> this was wonderful. Um this was so I've never 
you guys should see the EPA graph for this expected points added. It is, I, I think, I think this might actually be like what the outline of Mount Everest looks like, like both <laughs> teams just straight down. Um, neither of them played in any sort of efficient manner whatsoever. It looked like it was so hard to get a first down in this game. Um, and then even defensively, like it was at the same time, it was somehow hard to tackle. Like it, this was a terrible, ugly game. Um, and, and like it, I'm showing here that USC ran 139 plays and Cal <laughs> ran like 97. Like this was high octane, high pace stuff for, Insane. for 38 points. Y'all. <laughs> oh, horrific, horrific efficiency. Um, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I also watched this game mostly like the last two thirds of it. Um, I, you know what? I will say, despite having forty-seven scholarship players at this game, I was impressed with how USC was trying to fight. Like I, there was way more fight than I was expecting. Frankly, after I heard that there was only going to be forty-seven scholarship players, and after we had heard that they weren't going to retain any of the coaches, and Lincoln Riley was coming in. Um, I kind of expected Cal to win like 40 to nothing or something ridiculous like that. I kind of expected Cal to kind of go in, do whatever it wanted. And USC might have just its most bottomed out game of the season. Um, but that didn't happen. I felt like uh, I, I was, I thought they fought, um, even though I don't think they were particularly good. Um, I thought USC fought. I will say that, um, uh, Jackson Dart, I think we forgot about him. He, got hammered i'm glad the season's over so that he can get some time to rest he got hammered like midway through this game i think in the third quarter really just like i was like i was like dude what are you doing he like it it was a dead body he caught the edge he caught the edge he got to the edge um and it looked like he was running towards the sideline at the end to kind of just step out of there and then decided to try to cut back and got slammed um and you could tell he got up and had no idea where he was and then miller moss came in and I don't know. At that point, the offensive line just kind of stopped trying. Um, he was yeah. Miller Moss came in. Tim Brando called him a preteen, and then it was just all downhill from there. Yeah, it was all it was all downhill. Oh, did you guys there. catch the Tim Brando God mode for a little bit there? <laughs> no, didn't know you were even with listening to this game on mute. <laughs> yeah, it's what reminded me to go back on mute. It this was I. It was seriously like for like like a thirty second period, the audio started yeah. echoing. And like totally sounded like it was God speaking from the heavens. It, it was hilarious. I, I thought it was just my TV until you tweeted about it, Matt. Uh huh. It was absolutely insane. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of of Tim Brando actually being God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, grapes. Did you have any thoughts about this game? Yeah, I watched all of it, and at the same time, don't remember anything uh, that <laughs> happened. Yeah. Except USC's fight song being played when they were dealing with was it when uh jackson dark got injured they it just was kept when playing jackson the dark got song. injured it was like when they were, Mott, like anything anything it was awful like i don't think they watched the game i think they have something else going on um and cal should wear these uniforms more that's like the oh. primary reason i watched this game was because i really really like these uniforms um other than that don't don't remember um except i that does not look like USC. No. And it's going to be a very quick change from that to whatever Lincoln Riley's going to do. And I don't think I'm mentally prepared for it, but we'll see how that goes. 
Yeah. Beautiful unis uh, for Cal. They wore the Joe Roth um, throwbacks that were like that, like bright blue with that bright yellow. Just they look so good. Um, I really like their base look. But anyway, that was a good reason to watch the game. It was fun to look at. Anyway, USC uh, finishes four and eight. That's their worst record since uh, just looking at it here. It seems like it's their worst record since 1991 where they went three and eight. Clay um, Houghton would never. <laughs> and then uh, their simple rating score, I posted this, um, which is just a sort of like uh, looks at margin of uh, margin of victory relative to your opponents. It's it's on uh, sports-reference.com. Um, if you just sort it by their simple rating system, it's just a historical way of looking at how good a team was. This is their third worst season since uh, – of all third worst season of all time, and their worst since 1957. So USC finally glad to be done with this, and then Cal goes to five and seven, um, their worst record in the Justin Wilcox era. But you know it ended up it ended much better than it started and what it might have looked like. So uh, glad those seasons are over. Um, congrats to Cal. I know Cal fans were really happy to have won. Like beating USC is always an accomplishment. I think. Oh, for, didn't they for, rush the field? I think they did. Like all, I don't know. It, it was like the There's worst rushing people. the field. Yeah, it was the worst. Still happy for them. Rushing the field is based. Do it all the time. Do it all the time. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of rushing the field, I really enjoyed rushing the field against Oregon at home, um, but I also will happily never do it again. It was an exhausting experience. I told you it's miserable, huh? (laughs) It's, like, fun for, like, 20 minutes, and then the adrenaline wears off, and you realize you're stuck on the field with all these people, and you don't know how the fuck to get out of it. And people started asking me at the conference championship if we should rush the field. And I was like, it's like a 25-foot drop, too, in Allegiant Stadium. Like, people would have died. And I was like, if you, I'm not going. Like, (laughs) you guys, if you want, go crazy. Not me. I will not be there. I have no desire to die. I have no desire to get stuck on the field. I'm so happy no one attempted to do because that was just. Happy for people to rush the field, but God, it's not it's not fun after a while. Yeah. It uh it seemed fun, you know, like they you only get the we only get the videos of like fans screaming and going nuts, but uh oh, yeah, get the videos of hey, what now what, what now? We're done. <laughs> anyway, all right. Anything about anything else about this USC Cal game? Can we finally move on from it? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> we already I'm spent we spent like three minutes on it. We're like <laughs> like way too much time on it. Just All quick right. reminder that Justin Wilcox is still employed. He is still employed. I think Oregon should hire Justin Wilcox. <laughs> he is a legendary <laughs> duck. Bring him home. John he's Wilner a- about to he's getting ready. He's getting ready to fire <laughs> those tweets. He's ready. He's like one His name to watch out crazy. for for Oregon. Justin Wilcox. <laughs> Hard job at Cal. Let's see it, buddy. <laughs> The best thing that could happen for this podcast is Wilcox to UCLA after Kelly goes to I can't, I can't tell you how happy that would make me. Oh my god! I don't know. I, I, I would almost, I would be upset for like a minute, and oh, then I'm I would talk, I would talk myself into it. I would one hundred percent talk myself into it. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> I look forward to all that propaganda happening. Let's move on to bowl game announcements. We're recording this a couple hours after the college football playoff committee made their final playoff rankings and after all the bowl games have been announced um i'm just gonna run through these super quickly here and i want to get your thoughts on them so in the rose bowl obviously number 11 utah will play number six ohio state on new year's day 
in the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio on December 29th. Uh, Oregon, which is now number 14, I think, is playing number 16, Oklahoma. In the revamped Las Vegas Bowl, which this time, so in, in the past, it well, the Las Vegas Bowl was like the number six Pac-12 team versus the Mountain West champ. This year and, and from here on out, it's gotten elevated. It's now the number three Pac-12 team against the Big Ten team. Um, Arizona State and Wisconsin will play in I that thought, game on December. I thought 30th. it alternated Big Ten and SEC. It, Big Ten and SEC, but this okay. year it's it's the Big Ten. Um, next in the pecking order here, the Holiday Bowl that'll be played at Petco Park in San Diego on December twenty eighth. That will feature UCLA and North Carolina State. First year at Petco Park um, in San Diego. Be there for five years now that Qualcomm Stadium has been blasted out of existence. Um, New Year's Eve, Washington State. Yeah, it was a horrific, a horrific stadium. I hate Qualcomm Stadium. Um, On New Year's Eve, Washington State and Miami will play in El Paso as part of the Sun Bowl. And finally, in a new bowl game, which is the one that's replacing the Las Vegas Bowl, the sixth Pac-12 team, Oregon State, will play Mountain West champ Utah State on December 18th in L.A. So... Outside of the Rose Bowl, because I think we can agree the Rose Bowl is the most intriguing of these. It always is, but I think this year, I think people are super excited to see what that matchup is going to be like. Um, aside from that one, um, which is the most intriguing game here in, in terms of matchup? Was there a matchup or names that you're really excited to see go at it? Matt, do you want to start us off? Well, yeah. I mean, to follow up on the Petco Park, um, Petco is universally known as one of the best like facilities stadiums in Major League Baseball. If you're considering going, that will be a fun, that like that will be a good game experience for you. Um, honestly, I'm just I'm really pleased with like just the bowl matchups in general. They're better. You're playing an Ohio State. You're playing Oklahoma. You're playing Wisconsin, Miami. Like those are good good names. Um, that's that's exciting. Um, I also like I just. I generally like the matchups in all of them as well as far as as what I think the teams can do. Um, I'm really intrigued by Wazoo and and Miami. Honestly, I think is is probably looking like it might be the most fun. Uh, just just generally, um, I'm especially excited for a Washington State team that has just had a hell of a year to go out there and just like just Delora can play run trick plays and. There, there's no stress. Dickert got that job now, so you can just go out there and have just a ton of fun um, in a game that doesn't just doesn't mean anything. So that one could be really fun. Obviously, we're going to be locked in on beef on our beevlet, um, taking on the cow people. That'll be fun. Yeah, Avery, what about you? Is there a matchup that you're most excited about, or a game that you really want to see of these? Yeah, I'm most excited to see if Oregon will lose and continue the curse of the Pac-12 um, runner-up losing. It's fun not to be on the end of that one. That fucking sucked. Um, if you go to San Antonio, go for the food and not for the football game. I'm most excited for Oregon State, though, probably. Very, very pumped for Beavlet. I... Can't wait to watch them ball out in a bowl. They deserve it. And I will say going seven and five at Oregon State is an accomplishment because I keep hearing from people that it's not impressive. It is. Shut up. You don't know ball. <laughs> it's really it's 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 cool. Like very good for Oregon State to get back into a bowl game. It looks like they're on an upward trajectory. I don't see why people think that. It's insane to me. Just like I think it's people who think who who think that in the Pac twelve like all the teams have the same level of talent and like 
you know, it's just not like Oregon State getting here is, is a big deal. And this is why I love like college football is like you get, yeah, sure, it's the LA Bowl and like the number six Pac 12 team, but like that's an accomplishment for Oregon State. It'd be fun to watch Oregon State um, play the best Mountain West team. Um, I, I, yeah, I think who it's, is, it's who is also ecstatic to be there. Like, don't, don't discount in bowl matchups whether or not the teams want to be there and you won't have any opt-outs or anything like that, both of these teams are elated to be playing in this game. Yeah. First time in a while, probably. I mean, I guess, well, usually it's like Boise State would get into what was then the Las Vegas Bowl was now the LA Bowl, right? And they would be Mm -hmm. like, wow, you know, we really wanted to get into the New Year's Six Bowl. But, like, this year it's Utah State. Like, when does Utah State ever get anything like this? So, um, no, it's 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 a fun matchup. Me, personally, I am... I'm very excited for the Holiday Bowl, and and maybe that's just because it's my team. Although I, I really hate watching UCLA, and I am sure they will lose because they don't they still don't have a win over a team with a winning record. Um, NC State might be that for them, but mostly like like you said, Matt. I've been to Petco Park. I like I hate baseball. I think it's a it's not it's a game. It's not a sport. Um, but Petco Park was fun. Like it's beautiful. The food there is fantastic. I'm really glad it's moving. Like I, I would be very happy to be like to try to convince people, hey, come to the Holiday Bowl and hang out at Petco Park. Like you might not care about the football game, I do, but there's tons of things to see at Petco Park. Um, it, it the food is awesome. Like it's it's right in downtown. It's a great time. Like totally like that. That I'm really excited about. I will I will go to the game because Petco Park is fun. Um, I am also, man, I really wish Arizona State had not kind of fallen off at the end of the season i'm still really excited to see arizona state and wisconsin play on december 30th um i don't know what wisconsin's look like i don't pay attention to truck stop football but it's a big name it's a brand (laughs) name um and i know arizona state and wisconsin have played in years past um including the joel stavi if arizona state fans will remember the joel stavi uh the quarterback for wisconsin like 2013 or something ridiculous like that um he like in a just like kind of put the ball on the floor instead of kneeling it to try to go for a field goal and they ran out of time just some chaos stuff i think i retweeted it if you want to go back and look at that so i'm i'm really excited about that one i'm actually less excited about oregon oklahoma because i think both teams are kind of in that like we don't want to be here situation they both might not have their head coach (laughs) um half the rosters in the transfer uh, portal (laughs) yes i oregon frank honestly Oregon may actually break. So um, to, to Avery's point, um, in the history of the Pac-12, zero teams have who have went who zero losers of the Pac-12 title game have gone on to win their bowl game. They're zero and nine in their bowl games. Oregon may actually do it just because, like Oklahoma's in, might even be in a worse spot. Like they lost to Oklahoma State, um, kind of lost out on a chance at a Big Twelve title title shot. Um, and then they lose their head coach overnight. Like talent is leaving Oklahoma to go to USC potentially. So, well, this is Oregon. the year of breaking curses. So if Oregon breaks, I'm blaming it on that and giving them absolutely no credit. <laughs> yeah, this is the year of breaking curses for sure. Anyway, anything else to say about these bowl games? I this is a good slate. Like this is the best bowl game slate I've seen from the Pac-12 in a long time. Yeah, both the both the Pac-12 and the Big 12 being left out of the playoff really I think I think really helps those games. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um 
anyway, okay. Uh, let's just do real quickly. We've got a few, we've got a couple more minutes here, but really, really quickly, let's talk about Pac-12 awards. What I thought we could do is just really quickly off the top of your head, just go around and tell me who you think is going to win each of these awards. Cause I don't think they've dropped yet. They might not drop. They may drop Monday. I'm not sure when they're scheduled to drop. Maybe it'll be a little bit later. No idea. But I, I, now that the season is over, we've gotten past the conference championship game. Go ahead and tell me your winners for these roles. Let's start with Offensive Player of the Year. Grapes, who do you think should win Pac-12? Not who you think will win, but who you think should win Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year this year. I think BJ Baylor should win it. I was on the side of Drake London. Like I'm a very big Drake London supporter, but it's gone to the point where he missed a big portion of the season, which is super unfortunate. But at the end of the day, like I'm sorry, I don't know. But BJ Baylor was a huge part of Oregon State getting to bowl eligibility, which again is huge for that team he had some very incredible performances over some of the big names in the conference namely utah he fucked utah up and so i think they love giving it to running backs for a good reason and i think he deserves it i'm worried that it might go to a different running back uh tavion thomas i think bj baylor deserves it over tavion thomas and i hope he gets it but i won't be upset if drake london wins it Matt, who do you think wins should win offensive uh, player of the year? No, I'm I'm still on Team Drake London. Um, USC has become entirely unwatchable <laughs> since he left the field. <laughs> That's true. Um, and he was so so good. Um, yeah, absolutely. I he could have played three games. I don't care. <laughs> like Drake London should absolutely be the offensive player of the year. He's the only player that I think actually separated himself. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, he's just missed so many games, and he's it's almost hard. and and yeah, he's he's <laughs> yeah. You're you're not wrong. Um, BJ Baylor is a good one. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with someone else. Throw another name out here. I'm gonna say Rashad White. Um, I think he matters a lot to Arizona State. Um, I think we saw him miss the game against Washington State, and Arizona State off Arizona State's offense looked absolutely horrific. I think he's the only consistent playmaker we've seen. At Arizona State this year, Jaden Daniels has really fallen off. Uh, Rashad White's backups, uh, Danielle Nangata and um, Chip Trainum, both fallen off. Seems like oftentimes he's their biggest source of energy. So I went with Rashad White, although I was battling between him and and honestly, Jaden Delora. Um, I was really considering him. I think he's had an awesome year. Um, so, but he's. I just went with Rashad White. Just felt like he was more valuable. Okay. Let's. Uh, what about Pac-12? We talked a little bit about this. Let's just go through this one super quickly. Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, Avery. Devin Lloyd. Yeah, Devin Lloyd. Yeah. We talked about this one. Same for you, Matt. Yep. Yep. I also said Devin Lloyd. He really he won that. It was cool um, that we got to see that he won. He won it against Kayvon Thibodeau against Kayvon Thibodeau. So, yeah, that was uh, that's my pick. All right, and last one here, Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Who do you think wins? Let's start with Matt. It, it's got to be Whittingham at this point. Um, shout out to Jonathan Smith, but um, yeah, it it it's got to be Whittingham at this point. Grapes, do you agree? The Kyle Whittingham? Yeah, I agree, and I definitely think Jonathan Smith has a good argument for it. But I think Whittingham proved that he is a good coach from the changes he's made over the course of the season. And it's actually something you kind of talked about in an earlier episode, Carlos, is you, you believed Utah's coaching staff was one of the only uh, staffs capable of getting their team on the right track to win the South. And he did. 
and he did it with everything going on with the program with the deaths of Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe, which I think he has to get props for because imagine coaching through that. That's terrible. So I think he should win. Yeah, I think he also won himself coach of the year um, at the Pac-12 championship game on Friday night. Uh, I think there was some, I think the narrative out there was, would he retire? Is he going to, is he going to be able to get the big one? This is a huge monkey off of his back. For him to play, uh, for his team to play and to get his team looking the way that they did, it absolutely has. I think Kyle Whittingham will unanimously be the coach of the year. He has the narrative going for him, and not just in terms of what he's had to help his program overcome, but just in terms of what, uh, you know, the summit, trying to reach the summit and get to this point, I think matters a lot narratively for him and and his legacy. So, yeah, I also think he's coach of the year. Okay. All right, so we will talk so much more about this season over the coming weeks. We only have six bowl games. Uh, We won't predict any of them today. We'll have opportunities to do that. Uh, I think our first bowl game is December 18th. So next week, we'll talk a little bit about that game um, before Oregon State and Utah State kick off the Pac-12 bowl season. And we'll just do some, you know, uh, post-mortem on the game and uh, I'm on on the season and what we thought about the season and who who we were surprised by and maybe do a little bit of gloating about our takes. So anyway, that's it for us. Again, doing this every week up until the Rose Bowl game, so be sure to keep listening. Um, and as always, we'll have our basketball episodes up uh, Tuesdays at 5 a.m. For myself, at Equity Bruin, Greg at Bananamorphs, who's not here, Avery at brave underscore grapes and matt huberton at matt nyber thanks for tuning in and remember there are no truck stops here not even one rumors still and thick with smoke so thick it makes you choke the crowd falls in the cup is kicking and my patience to everything said i'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street